we still have to work within the system we have, right? We can't just wave the magic wand and everybody be singing kumbaya and having ethics all over the place and everybody behaving and doing what they're supposed to be doing. So what do we do? And now for something completely different. Welcome to Surrounded by Idiots Radio Podcast. Hey, welcome back. This is Tony Dufresne, PhD. This is the Surrounded by Idiots Radio Podcast coming to me live on tape from beautiful Scottsdale, Arizona. This week, like I had mentioned last week, I'm going to talk about the movie The Social Dilemma. Why? Because it's what's happening now. Social media is a big deal. It is amazing and great, as well as a very dangerous and manipulative tool. So, uh, the reason why I want to bring up the social dilemma is because what they do in the movie, it's a documentary style thing, and they talk to the people who created these platforms, the people who created the advertising or the monetization parts of the platforms. And these people are scared. And they're scared because they had these initial intentions of just doing these good things, of creating the like button so you see that somebody likes your stuff. And that's great. And it's a little bit of a positive reinforcement. And you guys connect and you bond. It's all the happy feels thing. The problem is right now, it's gotten out of hand and it's such a powerful tool. It's almost like getting on a horse that's way too powerful for you and you're trying to control that thing and it's going, yeah, I don't think so. And it's just taking you off into the sunset. So there are a couple things that I'd like to bring up that were mentioned in the show that I think would be of a great benefit for all of us to know. The message of the show overall was the fact that we all need to wake up to the process that's happening right now where there's manipulation and there's destruction of the fabric of society, legit, because of social media and the powers that people are using, the bad powers, I should say. It's almost the same as Frankenstein's monster. I mean, the guy, Dr. Frankenstein was a dude that just wanted to expand medicine and expand the knowledge and bring dead tissue back to life, which is, you know, a pretty cool thing. But in the process of doing all that stuff, he created this Frankenstein and uh, it became out of control. And he started throwing girls down wells and pillaging villages. And that was not a good thing. It just got out of control because it was so powerful. That's kind of the same thing that we're dealing with right now. And it's almost the same as if you remember back in World War II with the atomic bomb and the Manhattan Project, Dr. Oppenheimer, who was in charge of all that, right after they launched that first trial atomic bomb, he was like, oh man, what did I do? And he spent years of his life afterwards trying to get the atomic bomb banned because he realized at that point, such a powerful thing and especially if it gets into the wrong hands, could destroy us. And again, I'm not talking about the atomic bomb and social media being exactly the same thing, but what I'm saying is it's like blowing up a balloon. When you sit there and you're blowing it up, one side doesn't expand out. You look at the balloon from where you're blowing it, the whole thing expands on the left and on the right, right? It's a dimensional expansion. It's not a straight line expansion, which means it expands on the left and expands on the right. So anything that we do that expands our reality, expands our knowledge, will expand on both sides. It's the natural law. It's the yin and the yang. It's the up, down, left, right. I mean, that's the way the universe, that's the way natural law is set up for us. And in the case of social media, it means that as much good as it can do, it can also do bad. Again, it's the same thing as guns, right? Guns can do good and they can, back in the day, they used to go out and, you know, kill your food and you could eat it and that's great. 
But now you get in the wrong hands and they start killing people. It's terrible. So with that expansion bubble happening and with the bad the and with the potential for bad to happen, now mix in some people and some bad actors who have the fragile egos or they're narcissists or they're people that are just con men or they like to manipulate and they see the power that this has. They see the tools that Facebook has in order to pinpoint and manipulate certain audiences in their in their realm and then you have a recipe for disaster and a recipe for creating a lot of chaos and that's exactly what's happening so in regards to how this is impacting us there are three ways to look at this there's how it is impacting us psychologically how it's impacting us physically and how it's impacting us from a philosophical standpoint and then what can we do once we know about all the stuff that's happening like behind the curtain, then how can we take that and move forward and make it better or at least focus more on using the positive parts of social media to drown out all the negative juju stuff? From a psychological standpoint, there's some crazy stuff happening. And as a and having that background in psychology and philosophy, I see this stuff happening and I'm like, wow, man, this is tricky stuff. They're doing an outstanding job at gradually exposing people for behavior modification, which is, it's called positive intermittent reinforcement. And they reinforce your behavior by sending you pictures or by sending you notifications or by sending your thing out more and getting more likes on certain things. Positive intermittent reinforcement to keep you coming back to the platform. There's also this old classic respondent conditioning, which is Pavlov's dog, right? That's the thing where the Pavlov uh, rang a bell and gave his dog a treat. Rang the bell, gave his dog a treat and kept doing this for a long time. So he conditioned the dog from a behavior standpoint into wanting that treat. And we are the lab rats here. And the same thing is happening in regards to the social media platform. I mean, in 2014, Facebook even admitted that they conducted an online experiment where they put subliminal cues into the Facebook pages, into the newsfeed to get people to react to them a certain way. And it worked, which is scary, but they know. And as a matter of fact, they talked about it in Social Dilemma where one of the guys at Facebook said, yeah, we just wanted the situation to be where if Mark Zuckerberg wanted to like dial up likes or dial up interest in a certain country or with certain people. He just dial. He he would do it. He would have to just change a few things in the algorithms and and he would get the response that he wants. That's a lot of power and it's scary too, especially due to the fact that most people don't even realize that it's happening. Another thing that's happening psychologically is that whole reinforcing your own worldview, and that's that tricky algorithm thing where it finds out. It reads what you like. And in order for you to stay on the platform, it would be really cool for you to see more of what you like because what you don't like doesn't really do it for you. So the algorithm set up to keep feeding you things that you like. In the process of that, you know what happens. That's all you get. Your worldview becomes much more narrow and it also makes it really difficult to relate to any other view because that little narrow view, it's like coming further and further and further, focusing further and further, further down. And there's not a lot of room for you to see things 
or think of things differently if it's such a small worldview. And that is what's happening because they have found on social media that if they pinpoint your worldview down, then they can pinpoint you to the advertiser that's going to fit into that pinpoint worldview. And that reminded me of a quote that I remember from the Truman Show back in the day. And it was, uh, they were talking to the guy who was God or the guy who created the whole thing and was monitoring Truman for his whole life. And they were interviewing him on a television show. And he said, we accept the reality of the world that we are presented. So you can see why if that's the only world that you are presented constantly, or if you're constantly going back to that and being reinforced on that little, small little world, then you can see why it may be a problem for you to relate outside of that little world. The second thing in regards to what is happening is a physical thing. It's actually a physical reaction. And it's our old buddy dopamine. Dopamine's awesome, right? It makes you feel good. It's the feel-good hormone. It gets released during sex. It gets released during eating. It gets released during doing something fulfilling. It gets released and it reinforces the fact that you're doing stuff that you love. It is something that is really addictive and something that that intermittent reinforcement, something that that respondent conditioning that they do on social media, that releases dopamine. It's the same exact thing. Then you get into like meth users or heroin users, you get into this dopamine deficit stage to where all this dopamine gets released when you're doing this. And then... You don't have it for a while, and then you get to jonesing because you're thinking, no, I got to have it, I got to have it, because you overcompensate it with it with a bunch of social media stuff, so that's why you keep going back, and you keep going back, and you keep going back. I mean, Vegas was built on that, and that's what they're built on too. They're built on having you come back because the more you're on the platform, the more they can pinpoint the ads and the more money they can make because, again, it all comes down to the money. The reason why this happens is because the platform creators know that we have a biological need for social interaction. And social media, with the phone, with the device, is the most efficient, by far, way for that to happen in the history of mankind. And that releases the dopamine, which goes to the reward pathway, and that is just evolution. And that's why we just thrive and cannot go two minutes after we get up in the morning without checking our screen. Now, some people are obviously way more into it than others, and I do feel really bad for the kids who have grown up with this because thankfully, I was even I was pretty old when this started happening already, and I remember not having any cell phones. I remember not even having any pagers. I remember when the payphones were 10 cents, and uh, you'd have to stop and go to a payphone. I mean, I, rem- I remember dial-up phones when you had to dial, and you, you got pissed when somebody had a lot of zeros in their number because you're like, come on, man. Got to dial all the way around and wait for it to come around. All that stuff. I mean, kids, I had, <laughs> I saw somewhere where they showed a kids a rotary telephone and they didn't even know what it was. I mean, it's just, the thing is, is that they were brought up automatically being exposed to this manipulative tool. And the problem is, When you're young, your prefrontal cortex, that part up here in the front, that rational part of the brain, it doesn't even grow into full maturity till you're 22. 
So when you're young, you're way more susceptible to this. And that's why they're having so many issues with with increased suicides and with increased depression for with kids, with preteens as well as teens. I mean, the preteen level of depression or mental health issues as well as the preteen level of suicides since, two, I think it was 2011 is when they had indicated in, in the movie, it's gone up like 180% or something. It's absolutely crazy what's happening with the kids and how much of a problem this is with a mind that is not capable of processing these things. I mean, our adult minds can't, can't even process all this, let alone a teenager. And you wonder why they're having so many issues. So that brings us into the philosophical part about all this. And it comes down to ethics. And as a philosopher, you know, we talk about ethics all the time. And if you don't know what ethics are in particular, it's basically right or wrong. Uh, It's the study of or concept of what's right and what's wrong. And Tristan Harris, who is the main guy they talked to in The Social Dilemma, was the ethicist at Google. They actually had an ethicist. And he was working with them. This was a little while back. And things were starting to come up where he's like, hey, wait a minute. Why don't we have the user's best interest in mind here? And he started questioning certain things that they were doing in terms of to create these manipulative platforms and tools and algorithms to get people to kind of get sucked into this whole thing. So then one day he just decided I'm going to pull this Jerry Maguire and I'm going to write this manifesto. And so he would go back home every night for a few nights at a time for a couple hours and write out this whole thing about, you know, this isn't what we should be doing. We should have a little more ethics involved in this. We should be doing this for the right reasons. And he threw it up to the Google higher ups and out to the people that he worked with and got a lot of positive response, but no action. Ultimately, they did not act on it because you know why? If they did then they wouldn't make the money because to be transparent in something like that or to not use those tools, then they wouldn't be as effective and they wouldn't make the money and they wouldn't have the share prices that they need for their shareholders to keep paying the money. The question being asked now from uh, classic philosophers or ethicists that are involved in technology, Silicon Valley business, is can the classic ethical traditions work in the tech age. Can you go back and look at like my foundation is virtue ethics, which is the stoic philosophy stuff or logotherapy. Can you go back and use those building blocks in order to maintain some level of ethics in this new tech industry? And I personally, I don't think you can because they tried to do that already. I mean, Tristan Harris tried to do that and they pretty much just blew him off. So the whole movement now in the philosopher field is they're battling back and forth in regards to a need for new norms and virtues that specifically address the online civic mindedness because it's not regulated and it's a no holds barred thing. And you get some people who have really bad intentions or very ego based intentions And they know how to do things. They'll take that and then they will just scam people or they'll throw out disinformation. Because the best way from a cult leader's perspective to get people to follow them is for them to question everything in their life that they believed. Then he can sit there and come along and say, yes, well, see, you don't know this, you don't know this, you don't know this, but I can tell you really what's the truth. And I can fortify that with my own facts. 
So you can see why we have so many issues right now, because that's happening all over the place, politically, as well as different culture groups. So the ultimate call right now is for a new global information ethics. And I know you could probably are starting to nod off here, uh, even on your bike ride or your walk. But I, I and I don't want to get way into this because there's other stuff that you can go into, like disclosure ethics in terms of transparency for the stuff. The bottom line is, is that, is that and I'll tell you this. There's a lot to philosophy. There's a lot to academics that is self-masturbatory. It's really academics doing it for academics, and that's really a big issue And because a lot of times it doesn't come out and it's not applied, which was like the first thing I learned when I started going to my doctorate was the fact that you know theory and application are two totally different worlds sometimes, and they can sit there in their offices and they can have their meetings and talk about ethics all day long, but when push comes to shove... What's going to be the incentive of these companies making billions and billions and billions of dollars to implement these ethics that will possibly hurt their income possibility? Because, I mean, let's face it, again, it's all about the income. It's all about the money, which is essentially the problem if you're looking at this from a meta standpoint, is the fact that the system is rewarded on the monetary thing, which is a dysfunctional reward. So all that being the case... We still have to work within the system we have, right? We can't just wave the magic wand and everybody be singing kumbaya and having ethics all over the place and everybody behaving and doing what they're supposed to be doing. So what do we do? What's our solution given the current situation, given the power of social media that they have right now, given the fact that that most people in the world, I'm just saying it, even if you throw this out there, even if every podcast in the world had this message, they wouldn't get it. They would hear it, but they wouldn't understand it because they're just not at that level. They don't want to be at that level. They haven't done the work to get to the level of awareness and understanding and clarity and consciousness that we all share. Because you wouldn't be listening to me if you weren't at that level or at least accepting that there is a level there and wanting to explore that more. But most people, as you know, if you look around, I mean, come on, they're not there. So what can we do Right. What can you do? Well, the first thing that we need to do as individuals is have a dimensional perspective, which is understanding, again, and being okay with the fact that everything expands in all directions. It's not a linear expansion. You can't just have great expansion. You have to have the good and the bad at the same time. And we can accept social media for how it is. We can accept the Internet for how it is, the technology revolution for how it is. It's good. It's amazing. I mean, it's incredible the power and what we can do now versus what we could versus, you know, even 10 years ago. It's unbelievable. So we need to embrace that and not throw the baby out with the bathwater, but just understand in the context that it's just its own thing and we have to kind of figure out how to use it the right way. We've got to be aware of the man behind the curtain. We have to understand there is a guy back there pulling levers, trying to get you as hard as he can to buy that product or trying to get you as hard as you can to join that group or to be convinced that the earth is flat because it serves their purpose. It doesn't serve yours. It serves theirs. And that's why they're trying to get you to do that. So understanding that there is a force behind the curtain that is trying to get you to do something. That's the key. You got to have that level of understanding. Then it's a matter of pattern interrupting, isn't it? It's a matter of going to your social media feed and scrolling through and just being aware, 
that that's what's happening and that's what they want you to do and have a pattern interrupt. So if you start almost like clicking on a suggested video, then then you stop yourself and you don't click on the suggested video, understanding that there's a reason why they want you to click on that. You look for your own video or you stick to just your friends, like the basic concepts of the reason why Facebook was created in the first place was just to have that connection with friends and family that you may not have connections with or to share pictures or whatever the case may be. You have the choice to do that on a platform that's going to offer you thousands of different options. You can still choose just to hang with your friends and do the things that you were signed up for in the first place. Create boundaries and take charge. You need to take action in regards to what you click on and what you don't click on. Because every single action that you take, even pausing at certain things, they track when you pause longer to read something on a little subtitle. If you know those things, you can create your own boundaries and understand and then not be trapped by what they're trying to get you to do. Now, from a we perspective or from an overall like citizen or community or society perspective, Tristan said it at the very end of the show. Spoiler alert, the solution here or the only way we're going to be able to get out of this is with collective will. And collective will in this context means exactly what we've been talking about the whole time. It's the understanding of the power. It's the understanding of the good and the bad at the same time. It's the understanding that what they're trying to do to get you to buy products. And it's the understanding that you can you can use this tool in the way that would benefit you without it being a detriment, without you getting sucked into the matrix and then having to be just a pawn where they can kind of push you around wherever they want to, to get you to buy or to get you to listen or to get you to be convinced about some point of view that's going to benefit somebody else and not yourself. So I hope things are good. You can go to javabud.com, J-A-V-A-B-U-D for everything. You can get a hold of me at Tony, T-O-N-Y at javabud.com, J-A-V-A-B-U-D. 